Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. You're listening to the Risk Commentary Podcast. Are you responsible for managing risk but feel frustrated with a confused process? Your host, Edward Robertson, has helped clients not only face uncertainty but also solve chronic business problems by using clear methods with a minimal footprint. Do it right and your people will smile, love the risk process and invite you back. Stay tuned to find out how. This is episode 15, The Principles of Successful Enterprise Risk Management Implementation. So in this episode, we try to answer the question of how to ensure an enterprise risk management regime rollout that is readily accepted and that actually lasts, that endures and continues to deliver value. And the answer, in short, in sum, is to master the principles of program success that have already been studied and really apply to all administrative programs, all management initiatives, not just enterprise risk management. I'll put links in the show notes to some sources, and right now we'll just consider a distilled list of success factors for program implementation. For each one, I'll discuss some of the likely implications for your enterprise risk management program. The first one is clear goals and objectives. This might sound a little strange, but it's actually the lack of clarity of goals and objectives that is uh, often responsible for program failure. Now, a goal is the major accomplishment towards the uh, ultimate aim. The objective is sort of a milestone along the road to the goal. Now, just as we recommended employing the uh, acronym of SMART, SMART goals, that is specific, measurable, um, actionable, and so on, to the planning itself of the organization, we want to use the same logic to set out the goals and objectives of the enterprise risk management program itself. Now, this doesn't have to be too elaborate, and it doesn't have to be very long-term either. It has to be clear So look at it this way. If we start the Enterprise Risk Management Initiative with a series of trial exercises, trial risk ID sessions with different groups, we have to have criteria in mind by which we can assess whether we're making progress or not. And it's very simple. If the practitioners are saying positive things, if if they're saying this is starting to make sense of our planning, we're starting to get better clarity on our own goals and objectives in our designed programs, we're starting to get better cooperation from various team members, we're starting to get a unified spirit and vision on the, the strategic aim of the organization, things like that, then you can say, all right, well, we're making progress. And of course, the most obvious initial result that we're looking for is that people report back that they're uh, identifying the uncertainty, they're identifying the risk that they did not see before that is inherent in their plans for action. So I recommend that you make something like this your first objective in the initial stages of enterprise risk management. What is the practitioner response and is it moving the organization forward? You can get specific answers with regard to planning clarity and identifying risk, but also leave it open so that people can report back uh, their various responses. That way you'll be able to circle back around and correct and improve the program. So you can see that a sort of lack of discipline at this part of the implementation can really mess you up because if you're not clear, even on some modest goals that you're after in the initial stages, then the risk is that the the program will sort of go on, it'll sort of drag on without any clear uh, positive result and people get more and more discouraged about what the whole thing is about and uh, it reflects more and more poorly on your own uh, ability as an administrator or program implementer Whereas stopping operations to go back and fix what was not working will establish the necessary foundation for the success of the rest of your implementation. 
The second principle for program implementation success that we want to discuss is that of senior executive support, which is, I think, a familiar issue to most people. I think the way it's often interpreted is that if we have nominal support, at least from a senior executive, if they become the sponsor or they sign off on the program or make a kickoff speech to the rest of the group and so on, now that sort of activity can be useful to give the program an, sort of an official status or to uh, give it an air of credibility. But strangely enough, it's not sufficient to make the program successful. What really makes the program successful with regard to executive support is that is if that support is really participatory, if the people um, in the executive ranks are actually participating in the program, they're contributing, and they're actively involved in the, in the new program. Now, this doesn't have to be onerous. It doesn't have to be such an, extens an extensive involvement that it uh, you know, imposes some sort of burden. Let me give you an example. Now, if they actually participate in a strategic planning exercise, or I should say a risk identification exercise on the strategic plan, then so much the better. On the other hand, all they need to do is say, well, for the next project or for the next budget, we need to see a risk assessment attached to the document. And that's the only way we'll accept it so that we're able to review the risk profile and also give you some feedback on how you're actually conducting risk ID. So that means that not only are people getting the impression that senior executives are taking seriously the idea of doing risk identification for major projects and, and program plans and so on, but the senior people will be able to give feedback on how the risk ID was conducted, whether the categories of analysis were sufficient, whether there was a sufficient number of views around the table, whether the granularity of the analysis was uh, appropriate to the business, and so on. So you can see that that kind of approach really constitutes meaningful senior executive support that is bound to make the program successful. The next element of program success is staff buy-in or employee support. This could be the subject of the most frequent complaints of program failure. And it's very frustrating for people who have uh, investigated, studied a, a certain issue, designed a program to bring to the organization to help move it forward and to you know solve certain problems, and yet they find that staff is just not interested. They might have given it even nominal support at the outset, but when it comes to actually practicing and doing the, the thing, they don't adopt the new habit. And it's uh, extraordinarily frustrating for a program implementers to run into that problem. Keep in mind, this applies to all kinds of administrative programs. So it might be the employee group that we're concerned about or actually take up by some other uh, constituency, some other intended beneficiary. And the problem can actually be compounded if the lack of take up or interest in the new program on the part of the intended participants uh, it takes different forms, such as uh, avoiding or actually uh, working around or sabotaging or pretending to comply and so on. So we already started to solve this problem by our method, which is to use trial sessions with small groups of participants at the outset and to ask their feedback. So what that implies is that real support is gained only when staff can see and prove to themselves that the new program in question actually helps them get their job done more efficiently. It helps them meet their deliverables and improve the quality of their output and solve their day-to-day -day business problems. That is really the secret to getting people to support a new program. And you can't get there by imposing a solution on them. They have to participate in the design and development of the new program in question. You know, I don't think this uh, golden rule of implementation, that is getting staff support in the proper way, is really widely understood. I say that because what I see people doing 
quite commonly, is to persist in the old, uh, first of all, the old command and control methods where they just uh, impose an edict that say it must be done this way. Or um, if they're more benevolent, they sort of think in the back of their minds that, you know, since this is logical, since this is the, this is the right solution, we've researched it, we know what the right answer is, that uh, somehow the employees will agree to it. Whereas the employees did not go through that thought process. They don't really have the same mindset with regard to the new solution. And last, I'll mention this briefly, you don't want to get software in place. You don't want to have a huge spend on a new software application and installation to try to induce people to tick up enterprise risk management because it simply won't work that way. No, you might successfully automate, or I should say semi-automate, the process of uh, risk identification and so on at a later stage. But it has to be the principle of ownership that is operating at the beginning stage. That is, people have a sense of ownership in the new practice because they help build it. They like it. It helps them get their job done, and they're proud of it. Well, let's talk about success factor number four now. It's called program adequacy or program design. And that just means that the design of the new initiative, the new program in question, is not really adequate to the task of solving the originally identified business problem. So this reason for program failure has been mentioned in the, in the studies. It's come up in uh, public policy. It also is in the case of enterprise risk management, I think. People do risk assessment in a way that is not rigorous, that doesn't have a real a structure or method to it, and that's not really adequate to the task of doing risk identification and having an actual risk management regime. But really, we already solved that problem by implementing what I call high-quality risk assessment, so just check back in prior episodes if you missed that. Let me just make a sidebar remark here that just, just occurred to me. You know, this list of program success factors, which we are considering in regard to your enterprise risk management program, of course, I'm sure this has occurred to you, can be brought to the table at any risk identification session on any given program or project. The next principle of program success is number five, adequate resources. Programs can fail in a variety of ways that are connected to simply having inadequate resources to support people's activity in the new initiative. In enterprise risk management, I think it mostly involves the idea of having, first of all, an intellectual resource, some a program champion, uh, an ERM champion, who can uh, speak to the logic and the rationale for the new program, and also supply uh, the, the tools, the templates, the policy, and so on, and uh, give people a place to start and make sure that they don't develop things that don't end up converging upon the company standard. The other important aspect of resources with regard to ER, ERM rollout is to recognize that we're going to do skills transfer. We want the ERM champion in cooperation with the program leads to do this experimentation and to develop the uh, risk identification method and to hand it over to the program leads. And that leads us to factor number six, which is the program champion. That is the enterprise risk management champion or risk champion. Having the champion in place just obeys the principle that you need someone to spearhead the program when it comes to a new initiative in the organization. The chief reason is not only just the you know understanding of the benefit and the rationale and so on, but it's actually to help people um, adopt new habits. So if you don't have a program champion, even if this person is just doing it part-time, then you're expecting people to adopt a new practice, to change their habits, to experiment with a new methodology, and to incorporate the whole rationale in their minds for doing so. And it's just not going to go very far. You really need that person to inspire and lead the, the initiative. The last success factor that I want to discuss today is number seven, incremental implementation or gradual implementation. 
Now, we've already implied that this is our working method, that is, gradual implementation, because we're not going to impose the whole program at once. We're going to do those trial sessions in the initial stages. You know, that might sound obvious, but so many programs have failed because people tried to implement in a blanket or monolithic fashion. They want to impose the new management practice all at once and expect people to take it up, you know, in an instant at 9 o'clock on Monday morning. The benefits of gradual implementation, though, are really just so profound. You get the chance to stop, um, fix what's not working, and then by virtue of doing that, you start to get the buy-in. You start to get the ownership that we were talking about before. Not only that, but you haven't wasted an extraordinary amount of resources, time, and effort, and you haven't put your own reputation unduly at risk as ERM champion or administrative lead. Well, that's a discussion of very common reasons for program failure, but you know, you can add to that. Well, let's summarize what we covered today. I made a distilled seven-point list of success factors or principles of program success drawn from the literature, which you can apply to your enterprise risk management program. Now, for that matter, you can use this list, as I mentioned, as risk criteria to bring to any risk ID on a program or project within your organization's business. And, of course, the very same applies to any initiative that you might lead in any domain uh, in your future career. The success factors are, number one, in the next episode, I'm going to discuss in more detail common challenges to enterprise risk management programs and how to solve them. Thank you for listening. Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. Visit today for episode transcripts as well as books and online courses. That's riskcommentary.ca.